Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We'll go today, if you would, to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. And uh, we're going to begin a new series on these Sunday mornings and Sunday night. Uh, Different one Sunday night, but Sunday morning. God's steadfast love. And uh, it's important that we see this because uh, there's so much that has happened over the last weeks and months that it was just the love of God, the mercy of God. Amen. And uh, we've got to always spend time being thankful for that, being grateful. Uh, Because of the steadfastness that God possesses, And in Lamentations, chapter 3, and uh, we'll begin in verse 20. Jeremiah says, My soul has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This... I recall to mine, or this I make to return to my heart. Therefore, I have hope. What does he recall to mine or return to his heart? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. So Jeremiah had almost given up hope. Uh, He was dealing with a a group of people. You read through the the book of Jeremiah before Lamentations. He was dealing with a group of people that not only were being disobedient, uh, they had refused to hear what the man of God had to say on several occasions. Uh, There were a couple of times they even brought him and said, well, tell us what the Lord's saying and we'll listen. And he told them what the Lord was saying and they beat him up. Didn't like what he said the Lord was saying. Threw him in prison. Amen. Two kings, the king of Israel and the king of Judah. And Jeremiah is looking at this nation of Israel that he's dealing with, and that's what he sees. He sees uh, people that have been disobedient to God. He sees a land that's suffering under the judgment of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And he remembers something. Hallelujah. You know, I'll say this, and it may be common knowledge. You have to be so careful what you're listening to. And I don't just mean uh, uh, news about what's going on in the world. I mean, you got to be careful what you're listening to. Amen. Because what you're listening to is either increasing your belief in what God said or causing you to question what God said. Amen. 
Are you following me? Glory to God. You, you spend all your time worrying about where things come from. Who did this? What country did this? How this and where did this come from? Listen, you're filling your mind full of things that don't mean anything. Yeah, but it's good to know. For what? What's it good to know for? Amen. This is important. Because Jeremiah is looking at a situation and it looks like there's no hope. Everything has fallen apart. Amen. The, the city's been burned. The walls are destroyed. Everybody that he had prophesied to rejected it. And he says, but I brought something back to my mind. I remembered something. Amen. He said, I remembered the mercies of God. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, I have remembered his mercy. Amen. Notice this. Mercies is the Hebrew word hesed. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed. Or hesed. But it means this, it means goodness, kindness, favor, mercy, or pity. Goodness, kindness, favor, mercy, or pity. It's a huge word, huge word. Amen. Because you'll, you'll, you'll hear people sometimes, they'll go, oh, thank God for His mercy. And in their mind, God felt sorry for them and did something. That, that's part of that word in the sense of pity. God took pity on you. But it's, it's, it is probably the most important word in the entire New Te- Old Testament describing God. And he says here, because of his goodness, his kindness, his favor, his mercy, and his pity. I think about that. Amen. Now, his said can be translated covenant love. Or steadfast love. Covenant love or steadfast love. Amen. It's uh, the, the, the best way I know to explain it is it's, it's the difference between, you know, you'll hear people, they'll say, uh, somebody will fix a pie, and they'll go, oh, I love that kind of pie. Well, they don't love it because you can't love a pie. Boy, not too many amens. You almost think you can. <laughs> You can enjoy it, but you can't love it. Because love is not an emotion. Love is a spiritual fruit. So it's the difference between the love, for instance, between uh, uh, two friends and the love between a husband and a wife. One is a covenant love. One is a love that requires steadfastness. 
You know, if I love my wife like Christ loves the church, I work on being steadfast. Amen. The same every day. No, no, no extremes. Right? If, if a wife loves her husband, the Bible way, there, there's not a lot of extremes. Ladies, don't get mad at me a lick, but if you do, it's okay. In other words, when I'm loving with this steadfast love, there's not a lot of room for emotional outburst. Now, I heard a lot of male amens. <laughs> Amen. Because it's steadfast. When the love of God comes into a situation, it produces a steadfastness. That, that's, that's why when you got born again, you became responsible. You started seeing things different because there, there came a steadfastness. Amen. And he's saying this steadfastness, when God speaks of his love in terms of covenant and steadfastness, he's presenting a picture of his love and goodness, watch, as unchanging and never ending. Because he doesn't talk with it in any other terms than covenant. It's unchanging. Anything that's unchanging has to have a source that's unchanging. Amen. The word hesed, as I said, may be the most important word in the Old Testament that describes God's character. But in these two verses, we see something. That God's compassion and His faithfulness are tied to this word. Mercy. Steadfast love. They're all tied to that. We have a covenant of compassion. We have a covenant of faithfulness with Almighty God. That He instituted. That He produced. He's the one that said, I will love you with an everlasting love. You know those statements that he made, I'll love you with an everlasting love, were to people that had went away from him. The people that he talked about tattooing on his hand were people that had went away from him. The people that he said, I was angry with you for a moment, but I have sworn I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. Right? Those were people that had went away from him. But what did he keep coming back to? This covenant of steadfast love and compassion. God cannot change. Not will not, cannot. And God is love. Why is God, who is love, is the only entity that can produce a never-changing covenant of love because it comes out of Him. When God swore a covenant, He was swearing what was in Him. And so when God says, I love you, and my love is towards you, it's not a natural human love. It's not a love that's moved by emotion or moved by circumstance. It is a love that is rooted in a covenant that the Bible calls the eternal covenant that will be forever and ever and ever and ever because God's love is forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have a covenant of compassion. 
when someone says, well, how do you know God's going to be good? Because He's got a covenant of goodness with me. Amen. Glory to God. When someone even hints, even hints that God might do something bad. Uh Uh-uh. God didn't do it. Amen. Are you with me? People say, well, you know, what, what, what's come on uh, America? Is it the judgment of God? Listen, listen. God doesn't have any death to pass out, but you need to understand something. And, and you need to hear me. And you do whatever you want to do with it. When you live in a nation that has killed, multiplied millions of babies, legalized homosexual marriage and all kinds of uncleanliness and filth, You open the door to some things. It's God's mercy that we're not consumed. It's God's love that we're protected. Amen. It's, it's God's love that even though the people that, that, that have ran the country have opened doors and let the walls down and given the devil free run, it's God's mercy that we're not consumed and it's God's mercy that He's rebirthing our nation and it's God's mercy that we're coming out of this. Because it never changes. It never changes. See, sometimes the church misunderstands judgment, especially in our circles. We don't want anything to do with judgment. Well, you're going to see it. If you live five more minutes God time, you're going to see the judgment of God at some time. Well, we don't live in a day of judgment. We live in a day of grace. We do live in a day of grace, and we're under that covenant of grace. But what about people that aren't under that covenant of grace? They just live the way everybody else lives and they open the door to things. Amen. But when I call to mind His covenant love and I remind myself those mercies are new every morning. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Makes me think of something different. Amen. Do do you see that? Look at Psalm 103. Oh, praise God. Because it's God that will turn the tide. It's God that will show His grace in this fifth month. And it will be shown to the extent that people will know what it was. Because he said we had to be ready to tell them. It'll be evident. And it will be God. I said it will be God. Tell your neighbor, it will be God. Amen. Psalm 103 and verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now that word tender mercies, again, is, is the word compassion. Loving kindness is said. So what does that mean? The compassion of God is based on the covenant of love that He has for us. Amen. 
Notice, he said he redeems your life from destruction, crowneth you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So his loving kindness, his compassion, is based on the covenant of love that he has for us. The covenant of love. This steadfast love. Meaning, he will always be merciful to me. He'll always be compassionate. Remember, I, 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 I ministered a series some time ago called Built with Mercy. Well, it's the same concept throughout the New Testament. God's loving kindness, His covenant love, His steadfast love, that mercy, that compassion is based on that. That's why He can say over and over again in the Scripture, if you miss it, repent. Right? Because that mercy, that compassion, that steadfast love is always there to receive you. Aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. When someone's running from God, they're running from love. They're running from their covenant. That steadfastness. The the enemy has tried so hard over the years to, to... convince people that God's not steadfast in the way He thinks. Amen. God told you that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said over and over again in the Scripture, I'm God and I change not. Now very often that's thundered from pulpits about His standard for right living and His standard for holiness. Well, that's part of it. But what do you get? Remember the offering? What do you get if you just teach one part of a truth? A vacuum. Right? Yes, God does say there's certain ways you need to live and things you need to do. But He says, I've empowered you with the Holy Spirit to do it. And if you miss it, I have my steadfast love and compassion and mercy. And if you'll just repent and ask me to forgive you, I'll do it. Right? Steadfast. So the compassion of God is based on the covenant love that He has for us. Exodus 34. You believe in with me? Amen. Exodus 34. And uh, verse 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, and there, with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. Keep in mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, will by no means clear the guilty, visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children under the third and the fourth generation. Now notice this. It says that the Lord passed by Moses when he put him in the cleft of the rock and proclaimed. The word proclaim means to call out, to publish, or to read. So God is saying this about himself. Notice, 
And he proclaimed. He called out. He read. He declared. The Lord. The Lord God. In case we didn't know. Merciful and gracious. Long suffering. Abundant in goodness and truth. Is that what it says? Amen. Then the next verse says. Keeping mercy for thousands. Keeping said, Keeping covenant. Keeping mercy. For thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins. And then it says he won't clear the guilty. If you're guilty, you got to repent. If you want mercy, you got to repent. But notice, this is what God says about himself. Hallelujah. The word mercy in verse 7 is hesed. Now, why is that important? God tied his mercy, his graciousness, his long suffering and His goodness and His truth to the covenant of love we have with Him. The covenant of love. It's tied to it. And it's steadfast. It never changes. Hallelujah. Why why is that important? Because one of the tricks of the enemy is to get you against God. To, To get you doubting Him. And not just doubting Him, but doubting His love and doubting His mercy and doubting His compassion. Amen. Well, once once you turn, if you turn, now you've turned away from that covenant. Amen. When, uh, when uh, you read the book of Job and... Satan did everything he could to turn Job against God. And Job started blaming God for some things. Now, he had partial light, but he started blaming God. He didn't know this about God. That's why he said, the Lord gave and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? That's why he blamed God for these different things. But finally, God in His mercy, everybody say mercy, Mercy. in His mercy, showed up in a whirlwind. And, I don't know, worldwide up to Him, I guess. And said, all right, Job, you've said a lot of stuff, now stand up. Stand up and answer me. I'm going to ask you some questions. And you answer me if you know. And not only say that, He said, stand up like a man. And answer me. Right? God wasn't mad at him. He's trying to show him something. Where were you when I spread the universe out? Where where were you when I spat the seas into existence? Tell me, Job, what's the pathway of lightning in the sky? Job, where's the thunder come from? How does the goat know what to do? How does the ostrich know what to do with her egg? Answer me. He said three or four times, answer me if you know. <laughs> and Job was sitting there, and, and the Hebrew is that Job was going, hama, 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 hama. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know if that's the Hebrew or not. But anyway, finally Job said, whoo, I've said things I didn't have any knowledge of. Now, that wasn't God judging Job. 
That wasn't God mad at Job. That was the mercy of God. Job is going down a road of justification of himself and calling God unrighteous and unjust. And the more you do that, the farther away from God you go and the more of a prey you become for the devil. God is always the answer. God is always your way maker. God is always your provider. God is never the problem. Why? We got a covenant of love that guarantees it. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? Well, why did God allow it? That's a devilish thought. That's a devilish thought. Because if you keep thinking, why did God allow it? You're eventually going to think God had a part of it. If God didn't have a part of it, then I need to leave him out of it. If you're looking for why something happened, go in the mirror and look. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Not God. That's not how mercy, steadfast love, steadfast mercy, covenant love operates. And the enemy does everything he can to turn you against God. Amen. Because he knows how powerful that love is. That mercy, that compassion. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. These words describe the way our covenant God has promised. This is important. Swore in covenant blood to respond to us. He'll always respond in mercy. Yeah, but what about judgment? Judgment can be mercy. Oh, now, no, no. Judgment can be mercy. Amen. Now, now there again, we don't we don't like a lot of talk about judgment because because of an uh, uh, out of balance teaching. God never stopped being a God of judgment. Nobody else in the world has the right to judge. Jesus said when He was on the earth that for the time being that the Father had put all judgment into the hands of the Son. Amen. Why? Because until Jesus returns back to set up his millennial reign on the earth, God God has been made effectively an outsider on his planet. But the man that came and died and lived perfectly has a right to judge. But the Bible says there will come a day when Jesus will take all judgment and give it back to the Father. Amen. Amen. Righteous judge of all the earth? Is that what it says? Righteously. Right. How does he judge? With mercy, with compassion, with love, with tenderheartedness. Do you see that? See, sometimes, am I helping y'all? Sometimes we look at the world and the Bible says it's the spirit of the world. 
said, but he forgot it. The Lord said, go to Nineveh and preach your eight-word sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And he said, well, I'll go. Well, first, you know, he didn't. But after you take a, a, a ride in a whale's belly or a fish's belly, you'll go. Overthrown. And the king called a fast and, and consecrated the people. And they put on sackcloth and ashes. And he said, nobody's eating. Your cattle aren't eating. Your sheep aren't eating. Nobody's eating. We're going to turn and see if God will turn his mind away from this judgment. And he did. Right? Jonah got mad. I told you. I told you. I would come here and this is what you would do. I'd go preach and you'd forgive them. I preach, you forgive. Told you. Got thrown in the sea, swallowed by a fish. The least you could have done was kill a few of them. But what did, God, what did God say? He said, listen, you, this is my paraphrase. You got to start thinking like I think. You got upset because this, this gourd grew up in a night. You didn't have anything to do with it. It provided you shade. You had nothing to do with it. I did that. Amen. And you're, you're concerned about the gourd that you had nothing to do with. And he said, and you're not concerned with a city of 120,000 people that don't know their right hand from their left hand. They were completely ignorant about me. And you came and preached judgment and I showed mercy. Why? Because at the hearing of judgment, they turned. But what did God show when they turned? Amen. Why? Because that's... He's always wanting to get that to people. Amen. Amen. And some people, some people receive it when they hear about how much God loves them. Amen. But you know, then there's other people that got born again because that preacher got up there and talked about the judgment awaiting people that don't get born again. Well, they shouldn't preach on hell. Well, it's got a lot of people saved. Because some people won't listen any other way. Right? Well, what, what's the end result? Mercy. Our good God. Amen. Nobody, nobody in here deserved God's goodness. But we got it anyway. Aren't you glad? Look at Psalm 23. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mercy here again is that covenant word has said covenant love. That word 
Follow me all the days of my life. It means to run after or pursue. So what we sang today is true biblically. His mercy is running after me. Pursuing you. How, how, how long? How long? How, how long? All the days of my life. Why? It's a covenant. He never changes his mind. And it runs after you all the days of your life. All the days of your life. Now, I got a covenant so I know it's there. Don't don't have to worry about, is it going to follow me? It's going to follow me because he said it's going to follow me. It's running after me. Carries the idea it's chasing me down. God loves you so much he can't help himself. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people say, how much do you think God loves you? Pastor, he's got my picture in his wallet. Well, God don't have a wallet. Okay, he's got my picture on his refrigerator. And, and you can say he don't have a refrigerator, and I'll tell you he's got it on his mantle. Well, he don't have a mantle. Okay, he tattooed it on his hand. Right? Every time God looks at his hand, he sees you. And he said, I'll look at that every day. Every day I will gaze on that and I'll love you more every day. And it's running after you. Glory be to God. Notice all the days of my life. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. Back in Lamentations chapter 3. You know this that, that I keep referring to with the covenant. When I, when I first started preaching on covenant and uh, I still don't know all of it but years ago 20 plus years ago I started preaching on covenant and uh, you know when people think covenant they think uh, agreement they think uh, contract well the problem with that is an agreement or a contract can be broken a covenant cannot because scripture says if you'll remember that the covenant that we had initiated with the greater one. When, when God walked through those pieces in the book of Genesis with Abraham, something happened to Abraham, he fell asleep. And when he woke up, God was walking in between those pieces swearing promises. Amen. The reason why God's covenant can overcome our failures is we don't have a part of it. We were, not, we were not one of the uh, uh, major parts of it. God swore that covenant his, on His own and brought us into it. Amen. And that's why mercy and love and compassion can follow you all the days of your life. It doesn't say all the good days. It doesn't say all the holy days. All the days 
of your life. Well, what about the days I miss it? That mercy and compassion is still running after you. Right? Why? It's a covenant. It's a covenant that God has. And, and, and that people very often look at that and they, do, like I said in the beginning, when I was preaching covenant, it was hard to get people to grasp that the Bible you hold is not a book of stories. It's not a book of remembrance. It is a covenant book that God swore in covenant blood. Every promise in the word must come to pass if believed because there's a covenant of blood behind it. Has to. When, I, when, I, when you quote 1 Peter 2.24 over your body, it must come to pass because there's covenant blood that has been sworn. Amen. 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 And when you think promise, we think something that can be broken. God speaks of oath, not promise, oath. Because when you testify in court, you take an oath, Right? And unless you just have no integrity at all, you won't break that oath. Because you're swearing on the power of the Word of God and you're swearing on the integrity of that court. And that's why God wants you to get the picture that when you quote 1 Peter 2.24, God is standing swearing, I am the God that heals you. And you have a covenant of goodness and mercy. That's following you all the days of your life. And healing and wellness, healing and wholeness, prosperity and goodness are goodness and mercy. And it's part of my covenant right. Amen. Amen. This promise, these these promises in the book do not come to pass just because they're in the book. They come to pass because you believe it's a blood-sworn covenant that cannot fail to come to pass in your life. Cannot fail. Well, I just feel like God has abandoned me. He said His goodness and His mercy would follow you all the days of your life. If you ever feel like God has abandoned you, understand this. God abandons no one. We abandon God. Well, I feel far away from God. Well, why'd you go so far? (laughs) Because He didn't go anywhere. Why? He's steadfast. Am I helping you? Whoo, glory. Do, do you see that? And when you, when you start talking covenant, religious people have a problem with covenant because with a covenant, there's no way out of it. And religion has a problem when you say something like in the book of Isaiah 45 where he says, concerning the works of my hands, command you me. Now, there's a reason here. If uh, uh, I went into a covenant here with Jamie, and he is my covenant son, if I went into a covenant, if we swore a covenant like this covenant entails, amen, we, we enter into covenant. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. We're going to be there for each other, right? As a covenant principle, I'm one of the principles. If I reach a time that I don't have what I need, I go to him and I say, give me a checkbook. I don't ask. Give me a checkbook. We're in covenant. He doesn't say, what do you need it for? Guys, I hope you don't do this. If you do, 
uh, uh, let the beatings begin. <laughs> you know, if, if you're, if you're if, for instance, if, if your wife ever had to ask for finances, don't ever go, what for? That's your covenant partner. That's your covenant partner. Her desire should be your desire. Boy, you want a great calm, just start talking about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody's got to know what's going on. Well, you know what's going on. It's coming out of your pocket into her hand. That's what's going on. If your money's separate, your heart's separate. Because Jesus said where your treasure is, there's your heart. One of the worst things you can do as a married couple is have separate money. Let me go over here where they believe me. Over here to these unmarried girls. I'm helping y'all. Amen. Hallelujah. One of the worst things you can do because it's a breach of covenant. Everything I have is hers. Everything she has is mine. Amen. That's not her furniture. It's our furniture. But that's not my car. That's our car. Right? Amen. You know, she gave me a room in our new house. Honey, this is your study. Well, I know it's going to be mine for about a day. You know, Lily's already told me, I'll be your worker. Uh, but am, I, am I making sense with this? So I go to Jamie, uh, and I say, I, I, uh, give me a checkbook. In covenant, he goes, Okay. He don't know how much I'm writing the check for. Doesn't matter. We're in covenant. Amen. If he comes up to me and says, I I need your coat. Here you go. Yeah, but that leaves me without one. It's covenant. This is how it works. You're covenant with Almighty God. You're in covenant with Him. That's why he could say, whatever needs you have, I'll meet. I'll heal your body. I'll save your family. I'll deliver you. I'll set you on high. I'll protect you. Why? We have entered into a covenant that's not based on us. It's based on Him and His ability. And that's why all through Scripture, He said, I'm able. I can do. I will do. I'll perform. I'll make sure it happens. Because I'm in covenant with God. My part is faith. My part is believing in the covenant that I have with God. Faith is so simple when you understand that you have a binding document that is before the face of God every day and he reminds himself that he swore in covenant blood that just as good as he was to Abraham, he will be to you. It can't fail. It can't fail. If you believe it, it can't fail. Amen. Oh, glory. That's why we're here today. That's why I look over this audience and nobody's sick. And nobody's struggling. Because of the goodness of our good God. We have a covenant with God. And when this thing hit the world, it didn't change God's covenant. Amen. We just pressed into the covenant and the covenant provides. 
Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Amen. Do, do you hear me? Man, that got so big in my spirit. I, um, is it okay if I tell you this? Oh, it's early yet. Amen. Anybody going out to eat today? I mean, well, you can. There are places you can go. Amen. Y'all are going out to eat? Is your dad paying for it? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Remind him, you got a covenant now. You're still in, <laughs> still in his house. <laughs> Grace is like, hey, I need your wallet. <laughs> Mom says, well, let's take a few things out of it before we give it to you. Anyway. If I get you home too early, your roast won't be done. So you, you. I remember when this became so real to me. Pastor Michelle was working nights, and, and I'd be at home with those kids and, 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 and sitting up, put them to bed, and then I'd get in the Word of God, and I started looking at this covenant, and it became so real to me. One night, I, I, she came home. She had driven that night, and she came home, and I met her at the door, and I said, Michelle, we got a covenant with Almighty God. Our life's going to change. Our life's going to change. Prosperity is evidence of God's goodness. Don't ever apologize for being prosperous because you're apologizing for how good God is to you. Listen, I'm not arrogant, and I don't go around flaunting what God's done. That, that's not the point. There's a difference between being prosperous and not being ashamed of it and being distasteful. Are you following me? God's good to me, and I don't apologize for it. I have a covenant with God. Amen. Are you following me? And when you realize that, Everything changes. Amen. And he said, Jeremiah or Lamentations 3, 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. Notice, they are new. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, now, but why is it new every morning? Because it's in the form of a covenant. Sometimes we use this idea, it updates itself. And we get this idea that God's got to get up and put something back into operation. No, the covenant is settled forever. And every morning for us, it's new. The covenant ensures that when you got up this morning, you had a whole nother day of mercy. Right? Amen. Why is that important? Because it, 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 it empowers you to go after the things of God. Amen. Every morning, it's new. We have the covenant every day. There's not one day that the mercy of God isn't, isn't flowing and isn't showing. Look at Ephesians 2. Over here in the New Testament. Thank you, Lord. 
Ephesians 2 and 4. But God, who is rich. Now, in Lamentations, it said great was His faithfulness. Great was His faithfulness. When you say something's great, it's not just enough. His faithfulness is great. And now, in Ephesians, it tells us that He is rich in mercy. For His great love wherewith He loved us. The word mercies here carries the exact same idea as the word hesed. Compassionate. Forgiving. Pitiful. Kind. And notice, He is rich in mercy. Let's look at that in the Amplified Bible. This is so important. Because uh, when you understand this, you comprehend this. But God... So rich is He in mercy. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which He loved us. Notice what it says, verse 5. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive together in fellowship, in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself, the same new life with which He quickened Him. And He said that is because of His rich mercy. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Rich mercy. So great. When something's rich, you bite into something, you say, mmm, that's rich. It's, it's deep flavor. It's intense. It's, it, right? It's not a Twinkie or a Ding Dong. It's, it's rich. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You follow me? Layers. Amen. You can't get that with just anything. You, you can't get layers of flavor in food with something processed. It just won't work. Amen. You can't, you can't, you can't go down here to the, to the Quick Mart and get a heat em and eat them and talk about how rich and flavorful it is. It, right? It might be flavorful, uh, uh, chemically flavored. Amen. But man, when, when you spend, when you spend uh, uh, time chopping those vegetables and celery and onions and tomatoes and, and, and kale and, and all that good stuff and you're adding turmeric to it and garlic powder and onion powder and you're, you're seasoning everything up and you bite into that dish, it's like layers. You taste the garlic and the onion and, and oh my goodness, it's just a rich experience. The love of God is rich. Oh, it's deep. Oh, it's powerful. It's bold. It's overwhelming. Because it's so rich. And how rich He is in mercy. He's telling you that God has an abundance of mercy. Amen. Well, I just feel like God may be mad at me. He can't be mad at you. He's too merciful. Amen. Yeah, but he's a God of judgment. Yeah, but he don't judge out of anger. He, uh, amen. He, he judges based on what his word said. Not anger. 
Any person, if there are people you know that go to hell, they will not go to hell because God got mad at them and, and punished them there. They will go to hell because they denied Jesus Christ, which was the perfect, the perfect picture and the perfect example of God's love and mercy. How rich is His mercy. Tell your neighbor, God's mercy is rich. Tell your other neighbor, it's rich. Praise God. Praise God. I look at y'all today and I think God's mercy is rich. Not, 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 not just because I know what's happened to many of your lives. You're here. We're gathered together. God's mercy is rich. Hallelujah. You got time for one more? 2 Corinthians 1. God's mercy is so good, so rich. Amen. You always want mercy. You always show mercy. Amen. Are, are you fine? And, and, and let me say this. There are people, ever how merciful you try to be to them, they don't receive it. You've got to learn to deal with that. But the first response is mercy. Amen. You know, I grew up in a generation that their favorite scripture was, beat them, they'll not die. <laughs> yeah, the Bible says beat them, they'll not die. Take that child out and wear him out in the foyer. Come back in and another dad goes, hey, good hit. <laughs> Heard it all the way in here. And the other dad said, hey, it don't hurt them. Well, it did. Well, the scripture does say that. It says that there's foolishness that is bound up in the heart of a child, that the rod of correction drives it from them. And it does say, beat them, they will not die. But, you know, that's not what we think when we hear beat. But here's the thing. More often than not, the Bible tells you to respond in mercy. Well, what about the strong-willed child? Well, take that and, and channel that strong will. I've watched parents beat their child and just dumb them down. Well, they're just headstrong and rebellious. Well, they might be headstrong, but they only become rebellious when you deal with it wrong. That's good preaching. Amen. You deal with mercy. Why? Because every time you act towards someone unmerciful, what you're saying is, I've never made a mistake. I don't need to show you mercy because I've never made that mistake. Everybody in here has made a mistake. Y'all much more than I have, but you've made a lot of mistakes. We've all made them. So that means... If Anthony comes and says, I need you to forgive me, done. Why, that's mercy. Yeah, but you don't know what it was. Doesn't matter what it was, done. Amen. Why? Because Jesus said, if your brother trespasses against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, forgive me, he said, forgive him. Mercy. 
Doesn't mean you let people, uh, I don't need to say that. But mercy, that's my first response. There are people that won't respond to the mercy. And if they don't respond to the mercy, they end up walking into the judgment. But your first response is mercy. Why? You're God's child. And the Bible says, Jesus said, we are of our father, God. So we don't respond like those that are of their father, the devil. People that are of their father, the devil, is give me my rights. Give me my due. I want, I want my pound of flesh. Right? When Jesus says, give up your rights. Right? Give, up, give your pound of flesh to them. Be merciful. Why? Remember what I taught in that series? As your Father in heaven is merciful. Why is that important? Then, man, then you really understand the richness of the covenant. You can never understand how deep and true mercy is until you show it. And then you can begin to comprehend what it took for God to show it. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Mercy is the right answer. Amen. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. And he said that same richness was deposited in you. Amen. Well, I can't ever forgive them. Do it by faith. Lord, I forgive that person. I show them mercy. Yeah, but I don't want to. Well, there's things, listen, there, you call those things that be not as though they were sometimes when you don't want to. You call yourself healed when you want to call yourself sick. Am I right or wrong? See, you do all the time what you don't want to do, but you do it because it's in the Word. The right response is always mercy. Yeah, but they're arrogant, and they're this, and they're full of themselves, and they think, and mercy is the right response. Why should I be merciful? Because the Bible says the arrogant and the proud and the haughty will get broken. Me showing them mercy might just turn them. Amen. That's what God did for us. So 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How? By the comfort that we ourselves are comforted of God. Do you see that? God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who does what? Comforts us in our tribulation. Times of pressure. Do you know there's times of pressure that you encounter that you caused and God will still comfort you in it? Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I know he's telling the truth. Oh, I messed things up, but God was good to me. Aren't you glad God's good anyway? And he comforts you through it. And he says, here's why. So you can comfort other people that go through it. It can be something as simple as coming up and saying, man, I've been where you're at, and I'm telling you, God's going to bring you out. It's going to be okay. I know it's hard, but God's going to bring you out. You know, people need to hear that. 
I said, people need to hear that. Well, brother, how'd you get out? Don't, don't just open your mouth. Well, I believe God. Bless God. I believed my way out. What did you believe? Who did you believe? What did you use to believe? Very often people leave people with the impression that they're just some kind of super spirit and they just faith their way out of everything. They didn't. I'm telling you, I've been doing this a long time. They didn't. God brought them out. God blessed them. God comforted them. God brought them out. Don't enter into that pride thing. Hey, brother, I like your new car. Yeah, I bleed for it. Well, whose faith did you use? God's. What, 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 what produced your faith? His word. Who gave you your faith? God. So who got you that car? God. I use what God gave me to get it. Prideful people don't comfort other people. They don't show mercy to other people. Amen. The easiest thing in the world is to tell people what they should have done and where they missed it. Well, if you just do what I did, that's pride. That's arrogance. That's conceit. The Bible says when they're weeping, what do we do? Weep with them. When they're rejoicing, what do we do? Rejoice. It says, it says when your brother falls down, what do you do? Go pick him up. Right? Go pick him up. Help him. Right? Why? We're merciful. We're compassionate. We have the God of all comfort on the inside of us. And we comfort other people. Amen. Amen. And I've had people tell me, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. It, it, there's not a clause in that scripture. Right? Forgive them. Show mercy. Be comforting if they haven't done this. It doesn't matter what they've done. Yeah, but you know, it's all his own fault. Right? Praise God. And what a better way. To show the mercy, the true mercy of God, than to help somebody who messed it up themselves. Amen. And you know, most of our mess ups are our own fault. Rarely do we get into trouble that's somebody else's fault. <laughs> what are y'all laughing at? <laughs> right? It's just the truth. Now, I'm almost done, but, but the, this is important. That's a covenant. If that's how my covenant God acts, that's how I'm supposed to act. Amen. Amen. So he said, he's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort or the source of all comfort. So this tells us this covenant of mercy and steadfast love, it originated with God. It was his idea. He brings us back to that. This is his idea. And, and it goes beyond just this, this concept of, well, you know, I've blown it and God's been so good to me. It, it shows you his mindset. This is how he thinks. Mercy and comfort first. That's how he thinks. That's how I got to think. Amen. Now, let me say this. There are people you got to be careful with. You're trying to show them the mercy of God. 
And uh, they insist on just refusing it. You can misrepresent God if you're not careful. Because they will start thinking that, that, that God just puts up with their attitudes and puts up with their wrong mindsets and, and will just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. No, no, no. Even in the New Testament, we see people didn't want to think right, didn't want to do right, and God said, look, leave them alone. They're, they're, they evidently are going to have to deal with the full measure of this. You know, there are things I look at in my life in the past. I got a measure of what was coming to me. Just a measure. I don't know what I'd done if I got the whole cup. But God, who is rich in mercy. Right? The God of all comfort. Comforted me. So, so, so there are people that won't let you show mercy. Well, you got to do what you can do and leave it alone. Because you don't want to misrepresent God. Amen. Say out loud, I'm a mercy shower. I'm a love shower. I'm compassionate. I love God. And I love people. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, the reason this is so important is even in the season we're in, we have no biblical right to condemn and trash talk and run down people in government. Got to be merciful. I said we got to be merciful. Yeah, but they're doing this and they're doing that. Yeah, many of them are under a load that none of us will ever know. We got to be merciful. Because the way you respond, I'm convinced, the way our churches responded has been a large part of the favor of God that we've been able to see. Not just us in the states where in other churches did the same thing. Merciful. 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 He's running after us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Just look over your right shoulder. Look over your left shoulder. See goodness and mercy? They're coming. They're right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand up, everyone. Praise the Lord. I believe God. I believe God. What a good time. And, uh, you know, we're not just gathering to get together. We're gathering together for that corporate anointing. And things are changing in you right now. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Of course, we'll be back tonight uh, ministering the Word. If you can watch us online or uh, be with us, we'll, we'll do our best to make sure that everything is the way it should be. And uh, God's good. God is so good here in this month of grace. The fifth month. I believe God. So, Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you that the word that has been ministered will not return void, but it shall accomplish those things that you sent it to do. And, Father, we thank you that we have a steadfast covenant of mercy and love that cannot change. Cannot change. Father, not will not, cannot change. Oh, we thank you for it. 
We thank you for it. Thank you for it. And we just minister, Lord, to every person here today. Lord, every person that's watching online, every person that may not know you, every person that's never made Jesus the Lord of their life, Lord, it was your mercy that caused them to see this today. Hallelujah. You know, if if you're watching online, you're in this room, whatever it may be, however it may be, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is a good day. Today is a real good day. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you just open your mouth and say, Father, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I receive him. I believe he died. He rose again and he lives in me. And according to scripture, you're born again. Father, we thank you because of your mercy. You made it that simple. Oh, we're grateful. We're thankful. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, God's good to us.